This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Julia Baird, welcome again to Better Reading. Oh, it's a great pleasure to be here, Cheryl. Now, the reason we've got Julia back is because, oh, what, was it about a year ago we spoke? No, a bit over a year ago, actually, yeah. So we spoke on the release of Julia's book, Phosphorescence, and in a year and a bit, so much has changed. So let me introduce her first and we'll talk about that. Julia is an award-winning journalist and writer. She hosts ABC's The Drum and has written for the New York Times and the Sydney Morning Herald, amongst other global publications. Her latest book, Phosphorescence, was released in early 2020 and took Australia by storm. It was recently awarded the Arbia Book of the Year and Nonfiction Book of the Year. I mean, wow, what an accolade, right? Oh, that was so, there was that was such an honor. I can't tell you. I was yeah. just so thrilled. Yeah. Do you know lots of things have been affected so adversely by the pandemic, as you well know. Mm. Um, lots of people have been out of work. Lots of people have struggled financially, and there's been a lot of angst around it, and a lot of lives lost, of course. But then there is the other thing that has happened, and people have taken to reading. See, this is what delights me and also intrigues me. If we have a, an entire generation that spent one year, maybe two, reading more, like what's that going to mean? Like that can't mean just nothing, right? Like, what if we got the whole world to spend an hour a day doing artwork? Like what would that then mean? Like I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that there's going to be some either creativity or empathy blip as a consequence of it. And it's, yeah, it's great. It's, it's also research out I saw recently, which is about the pandemic, this period, people thinking a lot more about who they are and about what life's about and, you know, changing careers and thinking through spirituality and the meaning of life. And that all kind of really makes sense to me. But also thinking about direction. I think people have like, you know, am I going to commute for two hours a day anymore? You know, am I going to work at an office and kill myself to get into the city? And everybody is rethinking everything. I want to talk to you because you've got kids and I don't, but I have heard, I have really good friends in the United States, in California, that have really struggled with homeschooling and that's gone on for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and I've had people here and some of the some of the things I've been hearing is that you know their lives are ruined, that year twelve, the graduations have been ruined, that they won't get that experience again. But then on the other hand, and I, I'd be curious to see what you think. I think that there is, you know, I mean, children have lived through wars, children have lived through depressions, and I think that you could turn that around. Like you said, is it a year of reading? Is it a year of reflection? Is it a year where eighteen-year-olds or teenagers rethink things? I mean. What do you think about that? Well, they'll definitely be definitely be rethinking things, um, including you know what what this pandemic is going to mean over the long term and all the things that their generations are going to have to deal with. But look, I think there's there's really there's some truth to that. Like what what 
if they can reflect on being corralled, if they're in a safe environment and there hasn't been like a lot of stress, like for a lot of kids, there's a lot of stress being at home. If there's an abusive or violent home or parents have lost their jobs and there's financial stress, um, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But if it's kind of a safe environment and you've spent more time with your family and you spent more time kind of in your neighbourhood and just doing stuff and being outside, that could be a truly wonderful thing. I think with homeschooling, it is so hard. Mm. We didn't have the structure set up and like trying to police things like screen time when you're doing your own job. Like it was hopeless for me because my hours didn't change. They just increased and I still was in the office three days a week. And I'm like, well, what can I do with the kids? How can I actually homeschool them? And the schools were struggling to keep up with it. So look, I think it's incredibly mixed and I think it depends very much on you know, your family, your school and, and your environment, depending on on what what it can have meant. Yeah. Mm. I've had people, um, because a lot of um, university age kids came back home too, you know, like a lot yeah. of people just came home to nest. Yeah. And I, I had one friend, Mary, who just, well, she felt like she hit the jackpot, right? She got those kids back for another year and they were having barbecues at night and doing really family stuff, great family stuff. And then I have another who just didn't want to be with her kids. She was like, you know, they were off and, you know, right. she never wanted them back and so it was a really stressful year for her yeah I guess it's your perception of a family and your relationship with your family yeah that's true Mm. that's true but and we do know that domestic violence got worse over that time and I just mentioned that before and we know that across a range of Mm. countries but I have also seen was it in Australia talks I just was looking at at something just recently showing that over this time a lot of people have grown closer to their partners so I think there's Mm. been it's mixed and if you've had the latter that you're incredibly incredibly fortunate to have Mm. had that time I think Mm. how Um, did you cope with it um well look my actual day-to-day didn't change but just the workload was a lot more because half of our team I had to keep going into the office half the week because I was presenting a tv show so I had to physically be there I was trying to tell my family that meant I was the only essential worker but they didn't really buy that amongst us but yeah, so, so, but because half our team was at home and we, there was just so much to cover with the pandemic, it, it was a lot. Like, there, it, was, it was really a lot. The major issue for me, I guess, was um, I couldn't see my mum. So for months and just, just kind of like trying to Zoom with her and trying to see her. So that, that, was a, that was a really tough one. And I think that I really very instinctively, having written my book and thought about a lot, this, this, a lot of this, I instinctively, after really, particularly after really heavy weeks, and we did spend a lot of our weeks trying to work out who's going to slip through the cracks here. Mm-hmm. What's happening to the casual workers? What's happening to people with disabilities? What's going to happen in aged care? Like really very concerning things to be thinking about. Um, so I tried to work out ways to, you know, kind of centre myself on the weekend. And and because of that, I because I've done all this work on, or and wonder, I just packed that into my time. So there were massive, there were massive storms, which meant there were these fantastic big waves that surfers were um, surfing for a while during during our lockdown period. So I took my kid to go and see that and I took them off hiking. We were allowed to just, we're quite close to a dam that we could go hiking in. And I and I made myself keep swimming and all that kind of stuff. I just forced myself to do the things that as, as a habit that I knew that would kind of get me through. Mm. Yeah. Do you know I took up boxing? Oh, yeah. How'd that well, go? Well, I'm still doing it. It was meant to be in lieu of Pilates and, and my trainer kind of tricked me and 
somehow showed up with the gloves and there you go. The rest yeah, is history. You're doing it, so you must love it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot, actually. Right. Uh, it doesn't seem to be the anger thing that, I mean, I'm still doing my Pilates, but it's on top of that. But it, it just makes me laugh. There's something about it. Obviously, I'm not great at it, but it people say to me, oh, you know, how can you be that angry? Well, I'm not. It's fun. Anyway, I want to go back to phosphorescence, right? So when we spoke, I think both you and I were nervous. Like here you were releasing a book in a pandemic. Here I was running a small business. I mean, at that time, you and I had no idea where this was going, right? No No idea. And look what's happened with phosphorescence. And for us as a business, I mean, we have doubled during the pandemic because people took solace in reading. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Like here you are, you're releasing a book that you couldn't even go out and do, you know, book launches, nothing. You couldn't do anything, could you? Mm -hmm. Nothing at all. And then I, the first time I actually did a reader's thing, oh, I did one small thing for a local bookstore. And then I went to Adelaide Writers Festival and I was so excited to meet people, actual readers, and just have the conversations face-to-face. I realised how disembodied the whole thing had been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got back from Margaret River Writers Festival too and that was really great. There's such a great community there. But, no, I did nothing. It just kind of went out. And But then I got so much beautiful and I still am getting correspondence, letters and emails and these awesome little thoughtful things that people have sent me, like the phosphorescent overalls, they're all kind of like these really cool colours, and like jellyfish earrings and the glowing tea cosy and all this really wonderful stuff. And I saw these outbursts of creativity and also people telling me their story and kind of what the book had meant. So even though it was like a diaspora, I felt very much connected to to a lot of people over that time when the world was really shifting. And I really felt that people were trying to find a way to talk about the things that connected us, that united us, and that we have in common instead of there was so much fracturing over that period. There was a lot of commentary coming out of the US with everything, you know, kind of riots and insurrection and I think think the people really struggle with it, like an onslaught of kind of negativity and doom and I'm not saying you detach yourself from it because we all need to be fully equipped to be on top of that stuff and you know deal with it there's a lot of kind of fights to be had and there's a lot of information and awareness that's important but at the same time we kind of sometimes want to sit down and, and work out why we love sitting under the stars or you know what is it to fall in love with the world again I, I think it's, um, you know, at the time that it was released, it was layers of stress. Like I think there was COVID. For me, there was Trump, you know, the, mm-hmm. the global mm-hmm. effect that was having on all Yeah, of it was huge. It yeah. was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, it was and so, yeah. yeah, it was terrible. But I've also been thinking about, because people ask me a lot about why some books are successful and some books aren't and mm. They expect me to have all the answers. And if I had all the answers, I wouldn't be working probably. I'd be a millionaire, right? But I have thought about phosphorescence quite a lot. And we talk about it quite a lot at the office because our readers bring it up a lot. Yeah. Um, and because you wrote that way before COVID was even on our radar, right? Or yeah. pandemic or anything else. And I think, and, and see if you agree with this, I think you wrote it from a place you know it's about awe and wonder it's about dealing with pain it's about dealing with life it's all of those things it's just beautiful musings about curiosity as well and that spoke to a certain audience 
Mm. right? And at the time, you would have thought the audience was probably, you know, a certain amount of people that have experienced grief or death or hardship or whatever, whatever. And then it came out and we were all there. Mm -hmm. And that's, then it spoke to everyone. Yeah. I think I said before, like for me, it was almost like, I just wanted to create something that's uh, like in the case of emergency break glass. Yeah. And then the pandemic happens and there's like glass shattering everywhere. You know, I went, okay. Yeah. I need that now. So yeah, I, th- I think I think may- maybe that is part of it. And also I-, I guess when you're writing from your own experience, you kind of it just it just kind of comes from the heart. Like so you so you're not like preaching to people. So like you have all the answers. It's you're like, I walked along this path and it was friggin' awful. Mm. It was like the absolute pits. I hated it. <laughs> and and yet. And yet I found these things that kept me going and I found there were these things that sustained me and there was beauty amongst it all. And let's talk about that and let's think about that. And then it turns out we have those things, you know, we really have those things in common. It's kind of Mm. what makes us human. Yeah. You know, when I saw you at the um, Industry Awards night, it was so, firstly, I've got to say, you just looked absolutely fantastic. I (laughs) love that dress so much. You know what? I bought that for my book launch. And it got cancelled, so I'd never worn it. And I was like, oh, maybe this is finally I can wear my silver dress. Oh, you were beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. But, you know, you walked in into that evening and your mother had just died. And, you know, and I was up on stage too. And I was thinking, how much more can this woman take? How much (laughs) more can we throw at you? No. Do you feel that way sometimes? Oh, gosh, yeah. And then I went through something else a couple of days after that, which kind of completely blew Mm. my mind. So it's been a tough few weeks, but... um, no, I, I, it's it's more that there's been a lot, especially on the health front. But you know, it's not like I can say I'm unique in that I've had a parent who's died. Mm. You know, um, it was a really, it, it was a you know, obviously it's a very profound thing. I think the aftermath is just is often when people who've lost parents come and talk to you then because they're like, it's so hard, isn't it? It's something it's the most incredibly powerful and deep current in you that has somehow been checked. Mm. And you can find yourself feeling strangely at a loss, even though I know that she's not suffering anymore and that brings me comfort, even though, um, you know, she's a woman of strong faith. And even though at the at the end it was so beautiful because my brothers and I were there with her. We were all, I was curled up on a chair next to her. My brothers were sleeping on the floor and my older brother woke up like the minute before she died, the minute, 419 and, and and so he suddenly woke up for her last breath and was waking us up and and we were all kind of crouched over her and like holding her and there was something just incredible in that. So and then after that, because my mother was a very, I've written about her in the book, she was a very gracious woman and she was a very loving woman. I really have had such a strong sense through her funeral and the way we spoke about it. And she was very funny too. She was a real prankster, like an introvert prankster. And And the people that have written to me, I have this sense that, how you can impact, like a woman who's got such a forceful love and an unconditional love for so many people, you can see the impact and the ripple going on mm-hmm. in lives in, in through generations mm-hmm. and that kind of, and even at the funeral up afterwards, people came up to me and said, oh, wow, she's hearing about her has really made me think about how I'm living my life or what I'm doing or so, um, and actually the fact that I wrote about her in phosphorescence and when I gave that speech, 
at the RB Awards, I really was like, I'm just going to dissolve in a puddle. I just didn't know how I was going to. I just because, but I knew I had to talk about her because it was she, my mother had died the day before, and I dedicated it to her. And there's so much of her in it, so much of her kind of grace and her humble kind of love for a lot of people and her humour and her lack of vanity and all the things that she taught me in that. And so, yeah, I really just wanted to honour her in that and recognise that, again, it gave me comfort to think, there's there's I've I've told I've spoken I've told her story and that that's out in the world and people reading that will be reading about everything that she she gave me and so many other people yeah beautiful absolutely beautiful so touching hey listen what are you working on before we let you go oh um I'm working on um so that's my dog hi puppy working on (laughs) my dog I uh so my first book was called Media Tarts and it was about female politicians in the print media. Yeah. Well, and we're reprinting that. I've updated it and I've put in an introduction. Annabelle Crabb's done a forward. And so that's coming out in July. Um we've just very timely. Oh yeah, like literally yesterday. I was like, quick, we need to change the Christian Porter thing, you know, as in he's dropped his defamation case and it's just rolling on and on. So I my, my point with that is to say this is not new, the way we've treated women and the way we are treating women. Like if we look at how the history of women in parliament, it's a really important history because all the lessons are there and all the signs are there and we need to know it if we don't repeat it. So that's what I'm working on. I'm trying to work on an, on another book about grace, but it's more in my head than my computer at the moment, if you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Julia. I really appreciate it and I always love chatting with you. Well, it's such a great pleasure. Thank you for your support. And I'm just so glad that there's so many more people who are flocking to your site and know the great work you do. So thumbs up to people who love books, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.